Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you are well. So I think it's very important when you disagree with someone or when you disagree with a certain view that you are able to articulate their argument just as well, if not better than they can. Because if you can't articulate someone who's, who has a different view, if you can't, if you can't um, communicate that as well as they can, then I don't think you can truly have an educated opinion. Because if all you're seeing is your worldview, and if you're stuck in this echo chamber, and then anyone that has a different worldview, you just completely ignore that and say, oh, they're just stupid. Oh, they just don't get it or whatever. I, I think that you're doing yourself a disservice. But if you come to a conclusion, understanding all the views as well as possible, or even better than the people who hold those views, then I can, then I think you can truly look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I've got an educated opinion. And this definitely is my base case. So that being said, let's get right over to the Wall Street Journal. This is an article titled Resilient U.S. Economy Defies Expectations. So this is really, oh, I didn't know this was from Nick Timoros. I think Nick Timoros is kind of the, the mouthpiece for the Fed at the Wall Street Journal, just FYI, on, on Twitter and whatnot. But uh, this is kind of the mainstream argument as to why we will have no landing. This is why the yield curve is wrong. This is why that the stock market is going to continue to boom. This is why the economy is on fire. And this is why we do not worry or we do not need to worry about any type of recession. It's not going to happen because this time it's different. Here's Tim or Nick, excuse me, articulating this argument. There's a saying that economic expansions don't die of old age. They're murdered by the Federal Reserve. That if that's the case, then the U.S. economy is outrunning its would-be assailant this year. So in other words, the Fed is trying to smash the economy, bring on a recession because they want to make sure that they break the back of inflation. But the economy is just saying, yeah, no, we're not going to have it. We're going to keep booming because the, the, because, the, because the economy is so fundamentally sound and it's so resilient that it just doesn't matter what the Fed does. That's the argument here. Steady. So why is the economy resilient? What are they pointing to? that would bring them to this conclusion. Steady hiring and robust consumer spending offer the latest evidence that the pandemic's effects and the government unprecedented policy response made the economy surprisingly resilient. So the argument here is, hey, if you need to boost the economy, if we need to increase wealth, hey, maybe we could even eradicate poverty. All we need is just more government spending. I mean, the only reason that we have poverty right now is because the government just hasn't spent enough. And if the government would just do more and more unprecedented spending <laughs> and intervene in the economy even more. My gosh, think of the wealth that would be created. That's the argument here. Think about how strong the economy would be then. My goodness, we just haven't tapped into our, our, our true potential as a society. Man, government spending is only like 50% of GDP. If we could just make government spending like 100% of GDP, Think about how amazing the economy would be then. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Of course, when you take this to an extreme and you go through these thought experiments, you see how ridiculous this argument <laughs> actually is. But, 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 but I know that's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to understand the opposing view 
as well, if not better, uh, than they do. So we can truly come to the conclusion that we have an educated opinion. Okay, getting back to the article. Employer, okay, steady hiring and robust consumer spending offer the latest evidence that the pandemic's effect. Okay, we talked about that. Um, let's see. So they're basically brushing off the Fed's most aggressive interest rate increases in 40 years. They say employers added 3.1 million jobs over the last 12 months, including 187 in August. Now, I don't have these numbers in front of me, but I am going to guess here that Nick isn't including all the revisions because as you guys know from watching this channel, every single time they come out with a great number and they say, oh, yeah, by the way, last two, three months, go ahead and reduce it by 200,000 jobs. Just but uh, Oh, look, there's a squirrel. That's pretty much that's pretty much their M.O. over the past call it year and a half. So I don't know if Tim or if Tim. If Nick is including that into his analysis or not, I would guess he's not, but I, I, I'm not going to say one way or the other. The unemployment rate rose to 3.8% from 3.5 in July as more Americans joined the workforce. So <laughs> they look at this as a good thing. Oh, my gosh. The economy is jamming. It is in fuego to the point where look at this. More Americans want to go back to work. I mean, well, it's obvious why. All the employers are raising their wages and uh, they're just making all these profits. And boy, everyone wants to participate. They don't want to sit at home on the couch and do nothing. They say, man, I've got to get off the couch and actually go to work because, well, now I value my leisure a lot less. That's the, well, okay, now I'm being sarcastic. If I'm going to put it in their terms, if I'm going to look at the world, through their worldview or through their lens, let's say, I think the argument would be now all of a sudden employers are paying people enough to come back to work to, to make it, it because it's worth their while. And therefore all these Americans joining the workforce are going to increase productivity. And that's going to be a long-term benefit for the economy. And that's going to increase the overall purchasing power because they're making more money at work than they are just sitting home at the couch on the couch, collecting unemployment and not creating any type of good or service. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, Josh, did you see the movie uh, Back to School? No. With Will Ferrell? Wasn't it Back to School? Oh, uh, with Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell? No, 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 no. That, that was, no, Back to School with uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, who was in there? Owen Wilson's brother, Luke, Luke uh, Wilson, I think his name. Or old school. Old no, I'm school. sorry. Old school. Old school. It was called old school. And, and so right, that reminds me right there when I articulated his point of that uh, part in the movie where Will Ferrell is up there doing the debate. And he just has this moment of, of, of brilliance where he articulates the other, the, the view very, very well. And then he like passes out because he, he, like, he like, that's basically what I just did right there. I just, I forced myself to look at the world through their lens. And I forced myself to be a mainstream economist to the point where now I've got to pass out and take a nap. <laughs> I just can't handle any more of this. No, I'm, I'm joking, of course. All right, let's keep going down the article here. So he summarizes three factors explain why the U.S. economy keeps defying the predictions of recession. First, growing workforce and slower Price increases have boosted Americans' inflation just or real incomes. So we talked about that yesterday. We, we can pull up another chart on that. Um, oh, wow. They've got this little. No, okay. Those charts. I thought that was like an animated chart. Okay. That doesn't apply to what we're saying. 
So the, the, the main takeaway here in my pushback would be, okay, Nick, but it is true that according to the, the official data, we've had real wages increase over the past three months, but what did they do the past year and a half, my friend? They've gone down massively, massively. And if they would not have gone down or if they didn't go down and if they're booming, well, why is aggregate savings completely dropping off of a cliff if people are making so much money and they have all this purchasing power? But again, let's keep going here. Second, the unusual nature of the Cerveza sickness distorted spending patterns leading to shortage of good goods, housing, workers. This created enormous pent-up demand. So, okay, more purchasing power because of real wages. This is their argument. Pent-up demand. Third, the government initially showered the economy with cash, held interest rates rock bottom, allowing businesses, consumers to lock in lowering borrowing costs. Subsequent, excuse me, legislation, including the Inflation Reduction Act, further boosted federal spending. Okay, so more government, so... I'm getting my head ahead of myself here. I apologize. So number one, we have got real wages going up. Number two, we've got pent-up demand. Number three, we've got government deficit spending. So basically, these three components are increasing aggregate demand to a point where the Fed's interest rate hikes aren't doing anything to the economy. I think this is one of those things that is said so many times over and over and over again that people just assume that it's true without giving it a second of thought. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macroeconomics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. We're going to use the help of the whiteboard here on the rebel capitalist channel and just go through a very quick thought experiment. So, in an economy that is, based on what they're saying, is completely driven by the consumer. And we don't really produce anything here. So then you've got basically two entities to start this thought experiment. The business, businesses, and the consumers. Okay, but let's just, for the sake of keeping things super simple, let's assume this economy has one business and one customer. And, of course, the, the business or the customer would work at the business because there's only one, right? And the business would have to employ the customer because there's only one person in this economy. Okay, so the business pays the customer a dollar. The customer buys his stuff from the business. So this dollar just circulates. Okay, great. So revenue equals payroll. And this equals a zero sum game. So if the employee is making more 
then the customer is going to spend more, but that goes right back to the business. So the business isn't making any more money. It's still the revenue equals payroll. So in this situation, in this scenario, you can't really grow an economy because it's just circular. It's just one is feeding off of the other. And there's no way for the business to pay the customer more, or excuse me, there's no way for the business to pay the employee more because the customer can't pay the business more because they're basically one and the same. You see? So now let's add a couple more components to it. So we've got the business again. We've got their only employee, which is their only customer. Therefore, payroll equals revenue. But now let's add a bank. So the customer in this case, can go to the bank and the bank can give them more money. The bank can create money out of thin air and or the government can come in and quite literally print green pieces of paper and give it to the customer. And now the customer has two units of currency that he can spend at the business, even though the business is only paying him one unit of currency. So again, we're keeping this very, very simple for the sake of this thought experiment. So the only way, not the only way, because you got foreign direct investment and whatnot, there are several variables here, but the main way that you could create a, a quote-unquote booming economy is if you would have the extension of credit, hopefully for goods and services. Now, it is true that you have other employers in here that are producing stuff, then this changes the dynamic. But we've got to remember, the U.S. doesn't produce stuff. The U.S. imports stuff that they sell at Target, Home Depot, and Walmart. For the most part, it's just, it's just services. So it's just the, the businesses importing stuff that they sell to their customers who are their, employer, uh, uh, their employees. And then the excess is either foreign direct investment, the extension of credit, or government spending. <laughs> That's what you got, right? So if we look at what is happening to bank credit, this is, a, this is from the Fed. Fred chart going back one year, what's happening to bank credit going down? Even loans and leases, when you try to look into the nuance of that number, loans and leases is just a portion of overall bank credit. But that's flatlined, okay? When normally it's going up. And you say, all right, George, well, we've got government spending in there. And that is true, that we do have government spending at the deficits at uh, you know, let's say 1.5 trillion, but that spending has, although it's massive, it has gone down since the Cerveza sickness. So compared to when the economy was actually increasing in nominal terms, the spending by the government has gone down. So if you have government spending going down, not to say that it won't go back up, but we're just looking at a snapshot of what's happening right now. And you have bank credit going down, how do you get that booming economy, even if the customer is resilient? Because the only customer that they have is their employee. And the only way for the customer to get more money is to get it from the business. And then that decreases the business profitability. Again, this zero sum, right? And when you take it to its extreme like this, there is no profitability for the business because there, there is no profit because effectively their revenue is their payroll because that's the only customer they have is their employee. So when you look at things in this term, in these terms and keep them very simple, it's very difficult to see how 
an economy that doesn't produce anything can just sit there and grow indefinitely into the future just by the customer spending more and more money because they're getting that money from the employers themselves. You see? Now, again, if you have credit going up, if you have stimmies going out, that's, that's a different story. But right now, credit is going down and the amount of government spending is going down. So when you really scratch beneath the surface, and this would be my main pushback to uh, Nick or this, this line of thinking, would be, look, you're sitting there talking about no landing. You're talking about how do we not go into a recession when you have these dynamics that are at play right now, even if we have, let's say, a 3.8% unemployment rate, which I, which I would argue has gone up because the labor force participation has gone up. But it's not that people are sitting on the couch saying, oh, wow, look, all these great jobs. I want to go back to work because I can, I can get rich by going back to work. Now, it's the opposite. What's happening is they're running out of money. And we can tell this by the amount of aggregate savings dropping off a cliff. The stimmy purchasing power is coming to an end very, very quickly. They're going to have to start paying back their expenses. And their bottom line is they're not going back to work because they want to. They're going back to work because they have to. So this is not indicative of their purchasing power going up. It's indicative of their purchasing power going down. That would be my main pushback. But again, I think it's a good lesson in trying to do our best to keep an open mind first and foremost and understand other people's views as well as we possibly can to the point where we can debate or we can articulate those views even better than they can. And after we do, we still go ahead and smash their arguments with data, facts, and just so a, a, a good old-fashioned dose of common sense. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. And if you want more of today's news, go ahead and check out this playlist right maybe here. And Josh will put up the most popular news stories that we have gone over from the last two days. We'll see you in the next video.